0: You are listening to Mommying While Muslim podcast, where hosts Uzma and Zeba share their personal stories of mommying in a post 9-11 world. This podcast is designed with the Muslim American mom in mind, so grab a cup of coffee and pull up to their table. Assalam everybody. This is Zeva Hussain with Momming While well Muslim podcast. Um, as you can see, I am solo today because my lovely co-host Dr. Osma Jaffrey is actually doing her own road trip um, with her family and taking some much-needed time off. Um, as you know, the last couple of weeks I've been a little bit out of commission because I decided to, you know, take my own recharge and rejuvenate myself and i actually went on an amazing spiritual retreat in granada spain with uh, modest fitness uh retreats and it was so great even though i lost my luggage um I was 100 degrees, 100 plus degrees Fahrenheit, no air conditioning, had a hand wash my clothes. We really did go back to the basics. And I have to tell you, I was so, I'm one of those that I pack everything. I think of worst case scenarios. My brain starts working overdrive. Like I start thinking, what if the plane crashes in my suitcase is the one that rolls, you know, like you always have those shows and I want to make sure I'm fully prepared. And guess what? Never received my suitcase. Literally had the clothes on my back and one outfit that I bought from H&M because I happened to like get an Uber, quickly grab one thing. And I just realized you don't need anything when you're trying to, 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 to gain that introspection and to get closer to Elisabana with And, you know, um, if you guys have read my blog on hot Hijab, it was a starting um, a journey with the healing, generational healing between my mother and myself and my daughter went along for the ride. So, you know, please stay tuned. I'll be writing about that. Um, and, Just letting you guys know that it was a mind-blowing experience. So, if any of you ever think about it or 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 have thoughts about like going back to the basics, I highly recommend it. Um, That having been said, I would love to go back to Granada um, on a different at a different time because um, I would like to go and and bring my boys this time and and share with them the Islamic history and all of the, the the amazing energy that Spain has to bring. So. That having been said, you know, guys, we are officially halfway through summer. I know this is so sad and depressing. We are in July, and we're going to start giving you um, some mom perspectives from the most trending Muslim influencers out there. I mean, we have a whole bunch of them, ladies, starting with none other than rapper, activist Mona Hather. She is known for her hit, Wrap My Hijab. My kids were listening to it last night and playing it on repeat. It was the 2017's best protest song by Billboard and her husband, Sebastian Robbins. Um, He was going to come on, but it it seems like they're not here today. They are the power couple um, known for this viral series, Ask a Muslim Videos, in which they invite questions from passerbys to help kind of dismantle that negative Muslim stereotype that inevitably um, pursues even, you know, decades after post 9-11. Their most recent recent is a PBS show called The Great American Muslim... Muslim American road trip and we wanted to welcome Mona and get started on like how this road trip came to be and you know route 66 is one of my favorite it's like the oldest highways in America and and why this came what's going on and let's welcome Mona thank you so much for being here today
1: Hey Zeba. thanks for having me it's really good to be with you again
0: How do you go from you know being like this rap protest superstar to like, I just want to dispel, you know, this, this Muslim viewpoint on what American Muslims look like and doing this literally on camera going across on this amazing road trip. How did that actually happen?
1: Yeah, I think just to rewind for a second, I decided early on in my life that I wasn't going to do anything for this the sake of people, you know, for what people say and what people think, because I don't really believe that we have the ability to change people's hearts and minds. I believe that that's in God's hands. And so for me, that was like, honestly, the most liberating like aha moment that I had as a young woman. And I realized I have to live my life for the sake of God and if I do that everything else will fall into place and and I've seen the merit of that over and over and over again in my life you know people are like how do you manage to do all these different things and I'm like well I I, I'm just trying to get out of the way in a way to see what my soul is here to do in the world so you know
0: yeah go ahead I said, I love, I absolutely love that. Like it's you're giving me goosebumps just listening
1: to you talk about that. Thank you. Yeah. I th- I think we're all here to do something really wonderful and special and that our soul um, was, our souls are from the divine and that alone is the greatest gift. And if we would just let that shine uh, without worrying about, you know, what people think and what people will say and people in general, because what we find, um, the truth of the matter is that our gifts will shine if we just allow them to. And, you know, it's like Rumi says, when you polish the heart, you know, and there's a Hadith Qudsi actually about that very same thing that the, the, the entire world, you know, could not contain God, but the heart of a believer can contain the divine. Oh my God, and, I love that. that's one of my favorites. Yeah, and and I just I truly believe that, and I have seen that. You know, that expansiveness that can be made within the heart of a of a person who who is seeking God. And you know, I'm not I'm not saying that you know we don't slip up, and I'm not ever worried about what people are going to say or think. Of course, but. For me that I'm just not worried about stereotypes. (laughs) I'm not worried about like, you know, what do people think of me in my hijab? And in a way, that's really what the song's about. Mm -hmm. That's what um, The Road Trip is about. It's about living life from an authentic and deep place and saying, I'm here. (laughs) I'm here seeking the face of God and whatever that leads me to, Alhamdulillah you know, so whether it's the music, the road trip show, um, just me as a mom, you know, or as an artist or in my writing, in my poetry, that's that's the crux of it all.
0: I mean, that's absolutely amazing. Uh, but, but before we move forward, in order to get to that Spiritual sp- space, right? Like it. It takes a lot of work. It's not like you wake up one day and then, you know, you're like, I'm just going to shine my light. Like, how was that journey for you? Um, because that's what I'm really interested in. Because, but when people are are super spiritual, there's usually something that happens it's a catalyst and then you're like go on this mission and the mission is to find that divinity that divine within yourself like you said cuz you can contain Allah Subhanahu in your heart if you're looking for him and you're seeking seeking that what was that moment of catalyst for you
1: to start that journey <laughs> um it's funny <laughs> yeah that's it, it's such an interesting question because <clears throat> you know the further back you go, um you realize that there will always there were always little little moments and little signs and little signposts that were always pushing you towards who you are at this moment, and um <laughs> you know the most original point not not to get too metaphysical, but the most original point is the point where we're all swimming around God's throne and we are just souls we're, we're pure souls and God asks us to and we say Bela, you know God says am I not your lord and we all say yes indeed and then we have this ensoulment of the body you know our souls come into these bodies and i think that is in a way a traumatic event mm-hmm. and to talk about it you in a, in in simple terms we're we're ripped away from direct imminent and transcendent divine presence and when when that happens you know it's painful and that's the original trauma i think we're all getting over to, to be erupted into this new
0: being and having to find your way again, when you kind of intrinsically already knew that, like, I love that you're, you're even bringing light to this because, you know, when you start talking about this with other people, they kind of, you see their eyes kind of glaze over and they're like, Oh my God, like you're kind of a little bit nutso, but really if you let yourself believe it and feel it, you, you under, you understand it on like an anatomical level.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's, um, it's the most basic trauma and we all share it. You know, that's the most incredible thing. And the the gift of existence is such an intense blessing, um, that when we wake up to it, that, the that trauma starts to, um, work itself out a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I think I had my first kind of waking up You know, around the same time I was coming into my womanhood, Mm -hmm. you know, um, as a young girl, um, deciding to wear hijab, um, having little things happen to me here and there um, that allowed me to see that I was so much more than a body. Mm -hmm. And it was a multitude of things. But then at at age 23, I went through a personal tragedy and lost a dear person in my life, and um, that experience, I would say, sent me over an edge mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. I hadn't been over before. And i I realized that I needed to change my life. That I wasn't living, um, I wasn't living from a from a place of sincerity. Mm and i wanted to be sincere i wanted i i want i want to tell the truth i want to know god and i think you can only know capital t truth you know divine truth the divine the truth al haq unless you tell the truth and that truth begins with telling the truth about yourself you know and i, I wasn't living my best life i wasn't holding myself up to a high standard i was just kind of surviving getting yeah. by i wasn't doing anything that fulfilling for me i wasn't utilizing my my the tools i had just by virtue of being alive and and i knew i had to change my life and i went to this place called lama foundation and i just happened to see a flyer on facebook i mean it was really that simple and i i went i showed up as an intern and then i decided to live there and it was it was this transformative thing that happened i i fell in love with that mountain i fell in love with my husband oh. <laughs> in that place i met him um and it was it was this experience that radically changed me and it it quieted me it and anybody who's ever spent any time in silence understands what silence can do for you. You were just talking about being on retreat. We all need that yeah you know it's so necessary, especially as moms it's so rare to find a moment of real silence and quiet and when you do, there's nothing like it. <laughs> you know, that's like why we love our showers.
0: Exactly. <laughs> you're like, today's a hair washing day and I'm going to take my time. No, you're a hundred percent right. And sometimes, you know, in the silence, it kind of uncovers some of these things that are kind of simmering under the surface, and mm-hmm. a lot of people tend to use the busyness, the the, the noise, to hide some of the things that the, that we're not ready to face. So, in in yeah. being in silence allows you the opportunity to do that, and that is truly a gift of God. So, I, I love that you were able to find that at the age that you did, um, because that's that's an amazing thing. I I, I did it two to like decades after, after you did. And I'm still in the process. Well, I I didn't
1: do it. You know, I, you can't, I can't take credit for that. And, and it's not a timing thing. It's not a competition, you know, like we all, it, we all come to it when we require it. Yeah, And when we're ready to receive it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't choose it. You know, I didn't choose to have this deep wound that needed this quiet to heal and I, I, it was a mountain, you know, a mountain became a friend. And I know that sounds crazy, but this mountain was like a, a dear, is a dear beloved. And it was, I just really could understand the magne, na, magnanimity <laughs> of God and how great and big and Incredible and majestic, God is
0: amazing, mashallah.
1: In being on a mountain, (laughs) if anybody who's been around mountains is just like, Whoa, this is a mountain! (laughs) I, I, uh, or any natural, yeah,
0: being in nature, you know, even if you're on a patch of grass and you're listening to the birds, like if you allow yourself to be present and in the moment, it. You, you can it's these micro moments right that you were talking about that that add up and you're like oh my god this is such an amazing thing and that's really what we have to to think about no i absolutely love that you know so we're going to go back a little bit because you know i know your family background and you are like a household name for a lot of muslim families but for, for those of us that are listening right now can you tell us a little bit about your family background um, so that we can kind of understand where it is that you came from
1: yeah, <clears throat> I was born in Riyadh in Saudi Arabia and I, <laughs> not Saudi Arabian, Yeah, I'm not Saudi, I'm Syrian. Um, my family is from Damascus and we just happened to be in Saudi. My dad was working there at the time, but my, my family actually immigrated to the US in 1971 and I was born in 1988, so it's a whole diaspora situation mm-hmm. <laughs> and then the Gulf War happened and my younger sister had just been born also in Saudi and my parents were like all right we're time heading to go. back to America <laughs> it's time to go <laughs> so yeah we we were so blessed to have the privilege of having a place to go to you oh, know wow. and and we ended up back in Flint Michigan and that's where I was raised that's where I spent my whole life until until I left Flint, you know, as a young woman and Flint is where I learned how to do poetry, how to perform, write, um, workshop poems. And it's where I was introduced to hip hop. Mm -hmm. It was where I was introduced (laughs) to, you know, these deep, profound loves of mine. And for me, these are like the outlets that saved me in a way from, from a lot of sorrow you know when you have a channel to release you um you're just better off for it and i'm so grateful to the black artist community in flint michigan that taught me how to be and be healthy as a young arab muslim woman and you know, I was taught in in the in this lineage of spoken word, a the hip hop, how to share my heart with the world and how to say the things that were on my heart in a way that made people listen. yes, and you know that's I really owe so many people in Flint. I always mention my beloved professor, Dr. Tracy Curry because without her love and support her commitment to seeing me grow as an artist without her reading these journals that she made us write even though i hated them <laughs> without her you know like teaching me that my voice was important and without her loving me you know and telling me that i had a right to share my heart yes and that it was it was it wasn't bad you know, cause yes. let's be honest, growing up in certain Asian cultures, we are told that our voices are head on, that yes. we are head on, that we are, you know, we should just stay home and we're privatized in a way. And, you know, she was just like, you're not sharing anything wrong. You're beautifying the world. And how could God not love that? Exactly. You know? And so she she helped me in a really big way. Um, so yeah, that's kind of my origin story.
0: <laughs> I love that. I mean, and you know, Flint, Michigan. I'm from Chicago, so like the Midwest. Like I love it. And and to your point, that that hip hop culture um, really did help. I feel like a lot of Muslims, right? That during that yeah. time, to be like, oh my God, you you can have a different viewpoint. You can have something, and it might not be you know, palatable, but it's, it's coming into more mainstream audiences. So, so the fact that you use that as a medium to get your, your voice across, I absolutely love that. And honestly, having a hijabi rapper, I'm all about that. Like, you know, representation is so, so important, you know, and, and it's kind of uh, opened you up to a whole bunch of different other um, avenues to share your gifts, share the insight within your life, including this PBS project that you guys are, th- this is the Great Muslim um, American Road Trip. How did that even come to be? You just decided, you and Sebastian, at some point, I'm going to wake up put my stuff in a car and like start driving down route 66 or how, how did that happen?
1: It's really interesting. You know, we were a year into the pandemic and you know what it is to have kids. And during that time, especially like you didn't get two seconds to yourself Mm -hmm. because we were all quarantining and social distancing and our kids were home from school. And that was the whole thing. And we got this call, like, hey, we have this idea and we'd love you guys to, to do it. <laughs> and we were like, okay, cool. You're and like, at that point, do it. yeah. And at that point, it was really interesting because all my work had been canceled. Wow. Because all my stuff is live mm-hmm. and in person. And, um, subhanAllah, it was like a gift from God because, you know, no income. Mm -hmm. mid pandemic. It was, it was a trying time. And, um, I, I was like, Sebastian, like we, we should consider, um, this not even like, because it's a good career move, but because even if it wasn't a job, even if it wasn't this thing that followed us around with cameras, It's an opportunity to talk to people, to meet people, to share heart to heart, which is something we haven't done in a long time. And for us as a married couple, it was an opportunity to be together, Yeah, you know? And so we kind of took it as a second honeymoon.
0: Oh, that's so sweet. I love that you like changed the narrative. You're like, instead of being forced to be together in a car, you're like, we get to be together in a car.
1: Yeah. And, and actually I think your intention is everything going into it. You know, we, we hadn't like spent any one-on-one time together in so long, you know, we had a baby right after getting married and, you know, so it'd been eight good years without us having like any alone time. And God bless my mother. She took our two boys. Oh, wow. that's amazing. <laughs> I know. Allah bless her um, with good health, long life, lots of light. Um, she took our boys for three weeks and we got to do this road trip. We started in Chicago and we ended up in Los Angeles and we met some of the most incredible people I've ever met along the way. We got to eat really good food. Yeah. I was going to
0: say like (laughs) the food along the way, that's going to be like, I just, just watch it for that people. Like, you know, these little stops along the way and really tasting America, right? Like yeah, that's was such a blessing. Wonderful.
1: Yeah. And, and honestly, like it was an education. I thought I, I thought I knew a lot, you know, but I, I learned really how ignorant I am about Muslim history Yes, and how far back it, that history goes, you know, it predates the concept of America as a nation.
0: That's exactly right. And we're going to get into some of that too, because I'm very curious about that. But, you know, before we move forward, like what were some of the challenges that you, you faced during filming other than, you know, the obvious, what was something that you were just kind of like surprised by that you didn't think was going to be an issue, but ended up being an issue. Like I, I would tell you mine would be finding public bathrooms along the way that just, oh, that would drive me like insane. So what were some of the things that you faced that you weren't necessarily even thinking about when, before you started? Oh girl, the bathrooms were a big one. Yes. I know. I was like, I would wear Depends. Like they have those porta, Like, I, I don't know how you would do that. Like, so is that one of them that you're just like, oh yeah. my God, it's hard.
1: It was intense. Um, just because, as a Muslim, you're you're maintaining a level of cleanliness, exactly. That is, um, it's not hard to maintain, but it is. You have to be intentional. You know, it's a it's a thing that if you're not mindful, like you know. It's hard to make your salah on time mm-hmm. if 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 you're not staying on top of that kind of stuff. So that's really important as a Muslim. And it's something not enough people talk about, you know, tahara, yes. cleanliness and um, ritual purity in Islam. It's such a such a such a gift, yes. you know, to constantly be invited into angelic. Purity. <laughs> so, uh, that's. Uh, I, I love this
0: how you describe it because other people would be like, "Oh, I'm just going to make wadu. but you're like, "No, it's ritualistic cleanliness that is, you know, which is uh, very true. Like there, there's something about the ritual, about the clean, and and in yeah. public bathrooms for me." Is a big thing. So that's why I would think like for Muslims, that would be one of the biggest challenges um, that I would face if I were to go, even when we are planning a road trip, like we look for this restaurant has the the clean bathrooms (laughs) as a place to go. You got to read
1: reviews. You have to read
0: reviews. That's exactly right. That's so fun.
1: We read a lot of reviews and that was a big part of it. And you just, you know, you gotta, you gotta kind of think ahead as a Muslim, where am I going to stop to pray um, you know, and also you have to think about safety. Yes. Um, especially when you're praying in public and just got to make sure, you know, you you take turns and you have each other's backs and and you know, there wasn't a point where we ever alhamdulillah were hurt or harmed or felt too unsafe. There were moments when I didn't necessarily want to get out of the car. I, I make, yeah. I would make Sebastian go into the gas station or whatever it was you know or make one of the the guys just you know, go get that sparkling water.
0: (laughs) Exactly. You're like, I don't need to go do this. I'd like to stay here. No, I agree. And that is something, you know, because Route 66, like I can't think of it without thinking about the movie Cars, you know, like, and that was something that my, my, my oldest who's going up to college this, this fall, we literally watched like on repeat and you would cry and you would like, it was just one of those things because there are so many small towns along the way that have gotten have been forgotten. And, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's, it is such a part of this American culture and the building of the culture as you go West, which is, which is a very interesting point. Was there a, like you talked a little bit about the, the safety you might've felt, but was there ever a place that you stopped where you were like, you had a preconceived notion and then you met the people you're like, wait a second, maybe I shouldn't be thinking about it from this way. And I, I can kind of have some idea about what I would be thinking, but was there any place along the way that you stopped and you're like, wait a second, they're not mm-hmm. how I pictured um, it to be. And, and, and it kind of taught you something about yourself.
1: Ooh, I feel like that happened every time we stopped. And one time in particular or two times I'll share. In particular, we stopped in a couple different places. Once was Joplin. Mm-hmm. And um man, there was this community there in Joplin that had such an attitude of khidma, of service to their community. A lot a lot of them were doctors or in healthcare in general and there was just this feeling of they really loved to heal people and their their masjid if i'm not mistaken had been burned down twice mm-hmm. and there was there was this like we forgive we forgive and we continue to serve and we heal and they had this horrible t- tornado rip through Joplin and they were still like, we're going to serve. It doesn't matter how many times you burn down our mosque. We're going to be here to heal as doctors, as healthcare professionals. And for me, there was just this like beautiful, humbling, it was such a beautiful, humbling experience to be around people who were, had that much compassion and forgiveness in their hearts. And that they were just able to continue to serve. You know, the second place I would say is Las Vegas. Mm, That's interesting. Yeah. And it's not exactly on Route 66, but, you know. You took a little uh, detour. It's okay. (laughs) Yeah. With a road trip, there's always like road closures and whatever. And, you know, we came across stuff like that. And we ended up in Las Vegas. And so grateful that we did because we met with Mama Nisa, and the community at the Muslim village. And that community, man, they, yeah, Allah, they, they are goals. Oh. They are the biggest inspiration I have encountered in my life. You know, Mama Nisa has since passed away. And so it's, it's like emotional, emotional, And I just feel so much gratitude that I got a chance to meet such a blessed person. But she basically started this community from nothing because she saw a need for fresh food in her neighborhood. So she went to the grocery store with her own money, packed up her trunk and went around and gave away fresh food, fruits and vegetables. That was it. And around that concept, around that practice, an entire community formed wow. and they built a masjid. The masjid grew into a masjid and a community center. They were able to then, you know, create housing for people. They were then able to create jobs. They were then able to like facilitate jobs and job training for people recently released from incarceration. Wow. You know, they're, still continuing to do a free farmers market giving away free fruits and vegetables in their community and there was just this like like as Muslims we talk a big talk yeah you know about service and serving and you know being good people and this and that and these people were just doing it man they weren't looking for the
0: pats on the any- back or the accolades they were just like this is just my innate it. nature
1: this is just who we are as Muslims. This is why God put us here to help each other, to feed each other, to serve each other. And for me that was like man, seeing it was like seeing Medina. Aww. It was like seeing the Sunnah in action, you know. I just saw people really being Muslim and for me that was that was just I can't even describe it. It was It's beyond words, like just being with them like that.
0: I love that. And, you know, you you mentioned a little bit and we kind of touched upon that about like how being Muslim, Islam uh, was part of the history before America was even formed. What was something that you learned along this line that really surprised you um, that you could share with our audience today?
1: Yeah, man we got a chance to go to the Zuni Pueblo. The Zuni Pueblo um, is one of the oldest continuously inhabited places on the planet. Oh, wow. And um, these people have an oral tradition of a man who they call Estevanico, whose real name is uh, Mustafa Zamuri, I think. I'm like blanking on his name. I should probably like look it up. Give me one second. Yeah, look it up
0: so we can put it in our show notes because I I mean, this type of stuff is
1: fascinating to me. Let me just make sure I have his name right. Mustafa Zamuri, I did say it right. I didn't want to get that wrong. Thank you for your patience. Yeah, so his name was Mustafa Zamuri and he was an enslaved North African who was brought over by the Spanish and he was this incredible human being who even through his enslavement maintained just a level of honor and dignity so much so that, and and survival. Like I know I understand at least, at least intellectually that people want to survive, but this man survived. Like he, against all odds, you know, against enslavement, against being brought to a new continent, he learned the language of multiple Native American communities. Mm -hmm. He charted ways between these communities, you know, all as an enslaved person all while maintaining his identity, you know, as a Muslim. Like when he arrived at the Zuni Pueblo, they had already known about him from another neighboring tribe. Wow. And it's just amazing to hear about this Muslim in the 1500s, I believe, who, you know, had this... Experience here on Turtle Island, you know, and we don't even we don't learn about it in school or anything like that. Yeah, it says here he was born in fifteen hundred. So, wow, you know that's well before America was even an idea. Yeah, you know America as a nation state.
0: Oh, that's that's amazing. And so, and, and it really helps our children, right, as native-born American Muslims, <laughs> that we were a part of the fabric of society, even if they're telling you you weren't that there were people that that were and they did continue to carry on our tradition so yeah. i it's not
1: even that. to mention you know the enslaved africans that were brought over in the transatlantic slave trade who you know some estimates say at least a third of them were muslims yeah. you know and just that that is that is a part of our legacy here as muslims and that we owe so much to the black community as non-black Muslims here in America, you know, and we need to have an ethos of reparation, of, of honoring of healing, because there is a wound that goes so deep here. And if we're not a part of the healing, we're a part of the the hurting. Yeah, I agree. A hundred percent. And, um, you know, I pray that we become a part of the healing Inshallah. And I mean, I,
0: I 100% um, agree with that. And, you know, we we try at Mommy one well Muslim to kind of look for opportunities like this, just if anything, just trying to talk to people like yourself that have experienced some of these things and bring it to light, because a lot of people don't know um, what has transpired in the past and learning your history is part of that. So, you know, not everyone can go on this amazing journey that you and your husband did. But for somebody that does want to perhaps learn a little bit more about um, you know American history or Muslim American history via experiences like this without a documentary what would you suggest that they do as a simple let's get this started so that we can get because when you know better you do better
1: well one thing is watch the show
0: yes (laughs) I was hoping you were going to say that and for people that that, could you let everybody know where to find it, when to find it so that we can make sure everybody watches this show.
1: Yeah. It'll be airing July 5th for me here on my PBS station. Um, And then every following Tuesday for three weeks, but you will have to check your local PBS station to find out your air dates.
0: We'll put them um, in the show notes for people that are interested. And, you know, we always try to watch a documentary every summer um, with our family as something we kind of do together. My kids call us nerds, but guess what? They sit, you know, we pop some popcorn and we sit in front of it. And this is definitely going on the list for sure. And we're going to post that on our show notes and in our our Facebook group for people that want to know, like to look up your listings because this is definitely something that we all should be watching and sharing with our non-Muslim counterparts as well.
1: Yeah. I mean, just so much time and energy and effort went into the show, you know, from PhDs, researchers, people like studied this stuff. And I, I'm, I just feel humbled that I got to go on a trip that was, you know, set out for me and that, you know, they they did all the hard work and I just had to go and have all the fun. So you can watch and have fun with us and yes. learn along with us all the beauty of what it is to be Muslim in America, because it's not as simple as we might think, you know, or, or. it's it's not as recent as we might think.
0: Or defined by a moment in time, right?
1: By a date, by by a moment in time. Yes. Or an ethnicity or an ideology. You know, we meet Muslims from everywhere. We talk about Muslims from lots of different time periods. So it's an education for sure. And I was educated. That's for that's for sure.
0: Uh, I'm excited, and you know, something that Osman um, and I talked about was, you know, we were going to do like a watch party with people to kind of like talk about it live and to go on it. and And, and I feel like the more um, discourse and conversation we have about something like this, also creates more incentive for people to create other shows like this. Like that's the truth of it. Um, So uh, the fact that you guys are doing this, um, I personally really appreciate it. And I'm very much looking forward to it. Um, And I'm just so grateful that you were able to take time today and, and come on and tell us a little bit about it. Um, But, you know, before we leave, we always do this rapid fire questions and I hope you're going to be okay. I'm just going to kind of like throw some questions at you. Um, and, and, you know, just come and let us know as the audience, as for the audience to get to know you a little bit better or in a, on a different scale. Um, and just tell me the first thing that comes to your mind. Uh, but w- the first question is, we always ask this, what are you currently reading or suggest that we read? Girl, I have a whole You probably have a pile If you're like me, I have a pile Depending on my mood I'm like, okay, I want to read this today called My Soul is a Woman Ooh, who is the author of that? (laughs) It's by Anne-Marie Schimmel Oh my goodness We're going to share the link to that too Because that's definitely going to go on my to-do read list And it was just something you're currently reading Or you
1: have just read no, I'm I'm rereading it for a project I'm working on. So it's it's a book that I've gifted to so many beloveds over the years. and I, I often come back to it because it was it was an introduction to me um, into the heart of um, mystical, feminine, Islam. Um, you know, we, we know
0: as a poet, you probably have a thousand and million favorite words, but if you were to just pick one, what would that be?
1: I think the one that's coming to my heart is that Arrahimuna rahimuna arrahman And I just really connect with the name of Allah ar-Rahman, and that saying um, says, those who are merciful. Are shown mercy by the most merciful.
0: I absolutely love, um, love that saying, and we'll we'll put that in the show notes also as well because I do think it's, it's it's a mantra to live by, and, and and I feel like you're living that on your day to day basis, and, you know, we we love, we love you. We're huge fans at Momming Well Muslim, and we're so excited um, to watch the program alongside hopefully everybody. um, Stay tuned for our our notification. We're going to be sending and and posting our watch party because our hopes is that we can talk, um, talk live, you know, to to kind of um, chit chat with everybody while we're watching it all together. Hopefully we're all watching it at the same time. So, so Mona, you know, I really appreciate everything that you, you have done. Thank you again for joining us. And this is Another episode of Mommy While Muslim.
1: Thanks again for joining Zeba and on Mommy While Muslim today.
0: Please email us your thoughts or questions, and follow us on Facebook and Instagram because this podcast was designed to cater your needs. Make sure you check out the show notes to find the links and resources for this episode, and remember to help a mama out and leave a review of the show as well as to like it on your podcast app of choice because that helps us grow. Tune in next week for another episode of Mommy While Muslim. alaikum everyone.